You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 201 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story? Headlines about new vaccine candidates drop nearly every day. But because the development process is moving at super speed, there's a lot we just can't know about the new crop of potential inoculations. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. German Chancellor Angela Merkel is warning that the country may see a coronavirus surge by Christmas. Merkel said today that Germany will face more than 19,000 new COVID-19 cases a day by the end of December if the current trend in infections isn't halted. The country recorded about 11,000 cases last week. Merkel told leaders of her party that the country must act quickly to avoid the same rapid rise in cases as neighboring countries, such as France, which has been reporting an average of about 12,000 cases each day. Moscow has started to reopen temporary hospital wards after daily coronavirus infections in the Russian capital soared. The capital is the epicenter of the virus in Russia. City Hall ordered eight Moscow hospitals to re-equip themselves to handle patients by early next week, according to the Interfax News Service. Moscow began demobilizing its temporary wards in late May. Finally, Hong Kong's latest coronavirus wave is showing signs of subsiding after months of social distancing measures. The country posted single-digit increases in cases for seven of the last eight days. That has pushed the rolling seven-day average daily infection rate down to about five, the lowest since the end of June. And now for today's main story. The race for a COVID-19 vaccine entered a new phase recently. Four different vaccine candidates developed by Moderna, Pfizer, BioNTech, and Johnson & Johnson entered final stage trials, with two others close behind. But we won't know exactly how these four vaccines work for months. I spoke to reporter Robert Langreth about what we can, and more importantly, what we can't know about a vaccine developed 
at breakneck speed. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Give us a broad overview of some of the major differences among the front runners right now in the race to develop a COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, so uh, there are a variety of different vaccines that are now in uh, final stage trials in the United States for COVID-19. Two of the vaccine front runners are so-called messenger RNA vaccines. And those two vaccines that use that very new technology, messenger RNA, are the ones from Moderna, a U.S. biotech company, and from uh, the big drug giant Pfizer. And they're both uh, very uh, far along uh, in testing and uh, could have a results, early results from a phase three trial, trials, plural, in a uh, month or so. They're both two-shot vaccines. Uh, most of the first vaccines are two-shot vaccines, meaning you'll get You'll need to take two shots of the vaccine spread out over three or four weeks uh, in order to potentially have uh, some protection from the virus. And then uh, the third vaccine that's in final stage trial now in the U.S. is a vaccine uh, that's based on a cold virus called an adenovirus that is from AstraZeneca and University of Oxford. And that that cold virus-based uh, vaccine. It's based on a monkey cold virus uh, that basically can't replicate in the body, but br- helps bring in uh, the coronavirus spike protein in. And then the fourth vaccine in final stage trials in the U.S., uh, that is also based on adenovirus, a, a type of common cold virus. And again, uh, this is one that's been uh, altered, so it cannot replicate in the body. And that's the J&J vaccine. And that just began final stage trial in the United States and other countries on 60,000 people. And the big difference with this vaccine is that J&J says it may be able to have efficacy with just one shot. So this is going to be the first attempt at a single-shot vaccine uh, in the United States. And the advantages of a single-shot vaccine is, of course, uh, just practical distribution and, and immunization, mass immunization advantages. Okay, so among these four front runners, obviously everyone is keen for the same goal that their vaccine is effective. But in terms of the trials that are going on right now, how exactly does one prove that a vaccine is effective? Yeah, so all these trials are are placebo-controlled trials uh, where uh, participants, healthy volunteers in the trials, are randomly assigned uh, to either get the vaccine or a placebo shot. And then they're basically followed uh, after they get their shots for weeks and months to see how many patients uh, that got the real vaccine get the coronavirus, COVID-19, versus how many patients that got the placebo uh, vaccine get the coronavirus. And the hope is uh, that 
these vaccines will reduce the incidence of symptomatic COVID-19 by at least half. That's the hope. That's the goal of the trials. They're hoping to do more than half, but the kind of half is sort of the minimum, the bare minimum that the Food and Drug Administration has said it would accept. There's some controversy over whether um, the trials in, in a rush to get results and a race to get results sooner are including uh, and counting in the trials, you know, patients with, you know, uh, relatively mild or moderate cases and not focusing enough on the more severe cases and the kinds we all want to prevent, the hospitalizations and the ICU uh, visits and the deaths. Uh, and that kind of data will take much longer to collect. But what they may get uh, early on in the trials, they may get a sense of you know how it prevents uh, somewhat milder cases and mild, moderate cases and may not know as much about you know, what it does in terms of preventing hospitalizations or ICU visits, because th those, of course, are, are very severe events we want to prevent, but they're much rarer. And how about how these studies can account for, say, diverse populations, that a vaccine will be effective in, say, the elderly or communities of color? How was that taken into account? Moderna actually slowed down, one of the companies, Moderna, actually said it slowed down enrollment of its trials a little bit, in order to make sure, you know, increased uh, minority uh, representation or made an effort to do that. Now, of course, another issue is that the coronavirus, as everyone knows now, is, you know, most severe in the elderly. And that's where, you know, most of the deaths are occurring. Because what I don't think anyone wants is a vaccine that does a great job of preventing mild cases in young people, uh, but you still have the deaths in elderly people. That's, you know, a nightmare scenario I don't think anyone wants. So they're trying to enroll those people. And we don't just won't know yet when the early results come out, you know, how much we'll have in terms of detailed results in older people. We may, you know, not have all that information because if the trials, you know, are stopped based on kind of early results and symptomatic cases in the larger population in the trial, we may not have those kind of all important subsets, such as how well does the vaccine do in elderly population. Let's talk about accountability. You mentioned the requirements that the FDA has put out. What kind of data do these drug makers have to provide to say that their vaccine is reliable and safe and ready to be used? Yeah, well, they certainly have to provide a data to the FDA. And there's sort of, there's sort of a basic minimum requirement that the vaccines be at least, you know, 50% effective in preventing symptomatic COVID. But how do you define the symptoms and how mild a case do you kind of include for point of counting? Uh, the Pfizer trial is, I'd say, the most controversial among researchers because it includes for the purposes uh, of counting coronavirus cases uh, for its primary goal, uh, cases uh, in which patients have a positive test and, and just one symptom. Uh, so that could include, you know, a lot of potentially a lot of milder cases, and they could declare a success based on that. And then some uh, top researchers are worried they might declare success based on, you know, mostly mild or moderate cases and not have many cases that are severe. And we won't know how well it works in the all important severe cases. So there's a great worry about that. Uh, but one of the consultants uh, we talked to uh, estimated that neither Pfizer nor Moderna would be likely to have results in the more severe kind of hospitalization type cases. Uh, really until February, they won't have, you know, data, clear cut data on that. And it looks like uh, the early results may come out as soon as potentially as soon as the end of October for Pfizer and probably more like November sometime for Moderna. So, you know, it looks like there could be a decision made on an emergency authorization of a vaccine based on some of the kind of early results in the trial. And it's not really clear how much we're going to know about whether the vaccine early on really prevents the severe cases, and severe complications. It's just it's really unclear at this point. So what are the risks of pushing through an experimental treatment too fast? Yeah, well, one one big issue with any vaccine, 
uh, as safety, right? Because there's a big, big difference between a vaccine that might be given to millions of healthy people, including younger people who aren't at severe risk for severe complications. So there's a big difference between a vaccine like that's given to very healthy people and a drug that's given to coronavirus patients already in the ICU. Uh, and so in terms of side effects, uh, uh, generally, you know, researchers want a lot, a lot of data on safety. And the question is, you know, how much uh, is enough? Uh, now these trials are large. You know, there are uh, 30,000 people or more. And so that means at least, say, 15,000 people get the vaccine, 15,000 get the placebo. But in the past, vaccines have been failed or even recalled for pretty rare side effects. These things can pop up and they, you know, they may be, you know, things that could occur even severe events that could occur even like one in 10,000. And so the researchers I talked to said that, you know, based on a, a trial with, you know, 30,000 patients, we may know about things that happen, you know, one in a few thousand, but we may not know about, you know, rarer events. A rare adverse events uh, uh, that could happen because of vaccine, you know, until later on, until more and more people start using it. Uh, so, you know, safety is something that really needs to be uh, looked at, you know, very carefully. And already there's this, been this controversy with the AstraZeneca vaccine over a possible neurologic adverse effects uh, that were seen in one patient uh, in the UK that AstraZeneca says it, and University of Oxford says aren't related to the vaccine, but that's led to the trial being on hold in the US while the uh, US authorities try to get more information about what happened in this case. What will we be able to know about how effective that vaccine is? And perhaps more importantly, what won't we know? You know these trials are basically essentially going to show, you know, short-term efficacy because uh, that's that's all we're going to have. We're not going to have much information on how long does the protection last. And of course, that's a really key factor to know is, you know, how, how, how long are these vaccines going to work? And we're just not going to have that information early on. And of course, the history of coronaviruses, uh, with the cold, say common cold coronaviruses and other ones, is that the immunity to them is, you know, fades over time, over, you know, months to a year or more, they, they fade. So that's why you keep getting common colds again and again and again. Uh, so there is a precedent for coronaviruses with immunity you know, not lasting a long period of time. And that's a really key question is like, are you going to need to be re-immunized like a, once every six months, once a year? And nobody knows that. And we're not going to know that when a vaccine comes out. All we're really going to have is relatively short-term efficacy data that, hey, so far for a couple months, this thing you know seems to work or at least partially. So that's a really key question that we just, there's no way we're going to be able to know that when a vaccine uh, is brought out, especially if it's brought out early on this fall, based on pretty short-term follow-up. That was Robert Langreth. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Robert Langreth. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening.
Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.